It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. is the 25th episode of the Stacy and Stacy podcast. It is Friday, October the 14th, and we are so glad that you've joined us today. We are, of course, starting with our short prayer, scripture reflection, and then we are so excited to yes. have another day with Roxanne. We are still um, talking to her and uh, interviewing her about her book, What Would Monica Do? And it's been great so far, and I can't wait to hear what she has to say to yes. us today. But let's get started so that we can visit with Roxanne. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we trust you. We thank you that you hear our cry, and that you see our hearts, and that um, we just thank you for giving us peace, the peace that passes all understanding despite our circumstances. Um, again, Lord, we trust in you and we ask that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we would comprehend the scriptures, that you would give us fresh eyes to see you and ears to hear. St. Augustine, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, as always, I encourage you to grab your Bible Get your cup of tea or cup of coffee, whichever you prefer, and go spend some time with the Lord at some point today. Yes. <laughs> so today's responsorial is what we're going to be focusing on, and it is in Psalm 40. Now, the response is, here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. I love that. That's powerful. This is a two-part psalm, Psalm 40. The first part is thanksgiving for deliverance. And the second part is a prayer for help. We are going to just read the first part, the part that is thanksgiving for deliverance. And then we're going to discuss it. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Happy are those who make the Lord their trust, who do not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after false gods, who have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, here I am. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad, glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O oh Lord. 
I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Do not, O Lord, withhold your mercy from me. Let your steadfast love and your faithfulness keep me safe forever. Okay, so we're just going to talk about how this speaks to us. I, pay, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined my ear and heard my cry. Okay, we know that waiting is the hardest part. I think Rod Stewart actually sang about that. <laughs> <laughs> we discussed the other day that it is hard to wait on the Lord. It is hard to submit to his timing. But it goes on to tell us that he inclined to me and heard my cry. He listens to us. Jeremiah 33, 3 tells us that he says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you didn't know. Again, when waiting on the Lord, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. So many people give up just before they get their answer. Mm -hmm. Keep on keeping on. He hears you. It goes on to say, he drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog, set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Mm -hmm. This makes me feel like yeah. he is rescuing me. He draws me up out of the mess that probably I've made myself and puts my foot, my feet on a firm foundation and he makes my future steps secure. He puts a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. To me, this is speaking of restoration, a reason to praise him. But then it goes on to say, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And to me, this is the encouraging part. What if many will see him rescue me, give my feet a firm foundation, put a new song in my mouth, secure my steps. And because of that, they put their trust in the Lord. Yep. And sometimes when we're going through it, we are just looking at our feet. You know, when we're looking down, mm -hmm. our view is limited, right? It's, it's, we're focused on ourselves, but if we can look up, if we can trust him. If we can allow him to use whatever we're going through to benefit and minister to others, we don't know who's watching. Perhaps it's our children. If you knew your children were watching you go through something, you may go through it differently. Mm -hmm. Keep standing. Just don't throw in the towel. I felt like the Lord told me just recently I was actually going through a trial and I felt like the Lord said, don't throw in the towel till I tell you to throw in the towel. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, God, <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep standing. Uh, it goes on to say, you have multiplied, oh Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell of them, they would be more than can be counted. I mean, this, he thinks about us. He thinks about us. His thoughts are so many, they couldn't even be recorded. They can't be counted. Mm -hmm. then, then it says, then I said, here I am in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. Your law is within my heart. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Send me. It's, it makes me think of a, a little boy on the, on the bench. He's like, put me in coach. Put I'm ready in. to play. <laughs> that eager little baseball player. He's so ready to get in the game, help his coach and his teammates win the game. Delight to do your will. Oh my God. 
Perhaps the waiting, the standing, the believing is the part. Maybe that's the part he's actually asking us to do in this season. Different seasons mm -hmm. look differently. How are people watching us wait? What are they going to see? If you're in a season where God is asking you to wait on him, what does that look like mm -hmm. to others that are watching? Is it, are they going to see us grumbling and complaining or are they going to see us walking in love, faith, hope? Yeah. That's it goes on to say, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your saving help within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. I love that. This is the best part. This is after the victory. This is like the Samaritan that came back and said, thank you. This is like the woman at the well who ran off to tell everyone she had met the mm -hmm. Savior of the world. This is where we can't contain our excitement. This is where we can't restrain our lips, but we want to speak of the faithfulness of God and his steadfast love for us. Yep. This is how we overcome. In Revelation 12, it says, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Whatever we're going through, we're building a testimony. I know it's tough. And sometimes we go through something and we're like, Lord, I don't want this testimony. This isn't the testimony <laughs> I was planning on. But trust the Lord. Trust him in the process. There's purpose in the process. There's, there's purpose in the journey. And Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. Just remember, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And that's such a great thing to remember as we now turn to this final um, segment of our discussion with Roxanne about her book, What Would Monica Do? Her book that she and Patty McGuire Armstrong wrote together. Uh, two ladies up in North Dakota. They have very different accents than we do, but they're speaking the same language <laughs> about how how we joyfully uh, live out our testimony as mothers with our beautiful children. So without further ado, let's turn to our last segment of our interview with Miss Roxanne. Yeah, one of the things too is is love. I think sometimes we're we're so driven by we got to do this and this and this and this and now what do we do and we'll do that and that and that. I mean, even prayer can be an action that we have to cross off the list or whatever. But sometimes I think we forget that our love for our children is also very powerful. For example, at a point where we can't maybe talk about religious things as much um, mm -hmm. at the point where they're adults and maybe don't want to hear our lectures or whatever. It doesn't matter, mean we can't say, I'm praying for you. It doesn't ma mean that we can't have those conversations if they come up in a natural way. But I think as our children grow, what I've noticed is like the times that we're gathered together for a meal or for a birthday celebration or for a holiday, it's okay to just love our kids and to let that be yes. our testimony, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you bring it's a up, powerful thing. I think we minimize it. Yeah, we do, and it it is it it's one of the critical issues that I think parents whose children turn away from the church are dealing with. You have a short chapter in the book on uh, gender identity, and that is one, in my opinion, it's one of the hardest issues of today. It's one of the most foreign to us in our because it just ten years ago there wasn't this language of gender dysphoria and all the gamut of different genders that kids can come up with. And like they, 
they hear, they say that it's in their mind. We had a, I mean, we had a podcast on this and I, I have a, a child who's, who's says is chan, transgender. And the problem I see with this among Catholic moms like us, there's no way to talk about it. And that's kind of what your book is all about. There's, I, I don't sense that I have a lot of support when I say I have a child that's struggling with gender dysphoria, because you have some, you have a group of Catholic moms on one side that say, tell them it's a lie. Tell them you can't talk to them. They, they trump out, they, they trot out all the same arguments that we're all familiar with at a very high abstract level. But the thing is, I have trotted out all those arguments. I have said all those things and all it ends up doing is pushing my child further away. Mm -hmm. And, or the, on the other side, you have the more liberal Catholics saying, oh, embrace it, agree with it. Let's fly the rainbow flag and, and all that. And I don't want to go to either extreme. And, mm -hmm. and I don't find either group helpful. And there's a whole bunch of parents, I think, in the middle here who are like, hey, could there just be a safe place to talk about this issue? I just need to process this as a parent and talk about it because I do want to keep that drawbridge down like you end the chapter saying keep the bridge open. Yes. I do want to keep that bridge open, but I, I'm not going to agree and I'm not going to push them away. I want something in the middle and there's so much to discuss in the middle and it's not being discussed because you can't open your mouth about the issue without one side or the other jumping on it and telling you you're not doing it right. Yeah. And, and while I don't have that specific issue in our family, we do have mental illness issues and addiction issues. And so, you know, um, as you were talking, I thought, there's almost like a moment of gratitude <clears throat> because mm -hmm. as you were talking, even though I, I can't completely relate, I actually kind of can. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just kind of thought or thanked God in that moment that I can hear you because mm -hmm. um, that's sometimes all we really need. And when someone's kind of clamoring at us to, to do a certain thing and everything will be fine. Um, you know, I've had those conversations with my kids, like mom, you can't just like pray it away. Right. You know, and and I wow. and it's true. And I've had to back off of. Yes, I can continue to pray, and I will, and I'll continue to offer the prayers. But you can't make someone who's in a mental state um, and is struggling in some way like that is deeper than we can like just do by giving them a line. Yeah. And I agree, Stacy. It's it's doing a disservice. And again, I'm just grateful, I guess, for the suffering I've gone through in that way because. It makes me pause and, and and it has humbled me. And even the the reality of our kids leaving the faith has brought great humility to me yeah. uh, into my life because I I really don't have a lot of room to be proud. I'm not saying that I'm I know that we all struggle with pride at one point or the other, but because of the reality that's going on in my home behind closed doors, the the part of me that people don't know as a public person. I, I don't feel like I have a lot of room to be pride because prideful because life has humbled me and the struggles that my children have experienced has humbled me. And there's a lot I think we carry um, behind the scenes, especially if we're more public um, that people don't even know about. They think they know our lives and that everything is out there, but mm -mm, there's a lot that isn't. And so that's where we need each other in that more intimate way, in that more private way. Yes. And that's where I think maybe social media can be so destructive yes. because there is no nuance there and there is very little understanding and it's all kind of black and white. And that's not how 
the reality is journeying with our children, journeying with journeying with our families. It, there's a lot more nuance. And the other thing I think of is like when Jesus was really appealing to people on a heart to heart level, that's, that's when, that's when he did his work, right? His healing work. Um, he had his public times too, where he's walking around and there was 5,000 people and whatever. But it was really when he confronted people one on one, like the woman at the well, like the hemorrhaging woman, like, you know, the uh, Zacchaeus up in the tree, come to my house, have dinner with me tonight. It was an intimacy there. And I think he wants us to model that and to, to meet people where they're at. And so, again, I just feel grateful that I've been humbled in that way and that I've suffered in that way so that I can journey with other parents and, and stop and listen and not just jump to conclusions that are impossible to fulfill. Yeah. Yeah. One thing's for sure. Like I'm never going to be that Catholic writer or podcaster or speaker or whatever that people are going to look at me and say, Oh, all your kids are perfect Catholics. I'm going to listen to everything you say because I, I want to do it the same way. Cause I'm like, that's just not, how my family is and and what I, and I don't really honestly think any families like that maybe some are but I, I think it's even more powerful to say you know we we're we're just in that valley of tears like you were talking about before we're all down in this together tromping through and no my family is not perfect but my family is perfectly who they're supposed to be right now and this is you know I'm just trying to lead them through get them to heaven mm-hmm. right right and I, I think that God is near to the, the brokenhearted. We know that. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we bring out in the book. Like he is very close to those who, whose children have left the faith. He has not abandoned us and he has not abandoned them. There's a lot of invisible work going on. And I think that applies with, it can apply with anything. And, you know, it's interesting because we've actually had some people that don't have children that have been away from the faith or even have smaller children that have responded really, really beautifully to our book. And I think it's because a lot of what we're talking about here in this suffering can apply to so many different situations. Yeah. And so it, it really is appealing to kind of a more general uh, suffering that we all as humans go through and like the surrender that we have to do, which is the hardest thing. And, you know, often we do it kicking and screaming, at least I do, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's something that is for everyone who walks this human path. And again, how beautiful that we have people like St. Monica to kind of whisper and kind of say, hey, go this way, or this is what I did. And eventually it worked, but she was very human too, which Mm -hmm. I love about her. You know, she was a mom and she made mistakes. Like there were times where she second guessed herself and um, I'm sure it wasn't easy to go through what she did. She also had a very difficult husband and mother-in-law who were not very gentle with her. So, you know, there's a lot of things that we're facing and having to deal with. And it is, our burdens can feel pretty, pretty heavy at times. But another mm-hmm. reminder in this book is just that God, you know, he, he wants to lighten our yoke in this situation and all others. And he will accompany, accompany us along the way. And he's already there. He's already right there in our heart. He already knows how it's going to end. It's kind of unfair, but you know, he knows, he knows if our kids are going to be back or not. He already knows. And so really (laughs) he wants to walk it out with, with us. And, and if we do, we can be assured of success, whatever that ends up being success of, of, of us and our loved ones being in heaven. You know, we can be assured that 
that God and his power is doing everything he can and that our efforts aren't going to be wasted. Our prayers aren't going to be wasted. All mm. of the things that we did and all the love we poured into our children isn't going to be wasted. You know, I just, our, one of my daughters recently wrote me and some other loved ones in her life a letter at a kind of a, an a important juncture in her life where she was reflecting back. And I, it's definitely something I, I want to keep forever because she she went back through her whole life and talked about the different things that she remembered, things that I don't remember, things, times when I poured my love into her. And she admitted at the very beginning that we haven't always had a perfect you know, relationship, that there's been struggles and there's been debates and tension at times, but she remembered all of these things. And it was just, I thought if I could, if all my kids felt this way, I could die now and be done <laughs> because mm -hmm. and I hope that they all do in some way, you know? Um, but I guess what I'm saying is there's, there's a lot that um, in this journey, we can really beat ourselves up, but I think we also have to remember all the things that we did right. That's so good. I think that, um, you know, this book is very transparent. You're being very transparent, very vulnerable. And that opens the door for women to uh, reach out to one another and build those relationships that you were talking about that they that they need. Um, there's a, a line in, in the book that kind of spoke to me and we kind of touched on it a minute ago about, you know, loving your children at the end of the day. It says in the end, remaining in relationship with our children and loving them is what God is asking most from us. So, um, you know, that I think that's just beautiful. And Monica, the way that she, her strength and the way she just kept pressing on, she never gave up. That encourages me so much because I mean, we'll be doing this for the rest of our lives because something is going to, you know, we're always going to have to be praying for our children about something. <laughs> we're going to be doing this the rest of our lives. <laughs> no, it's interesting because just this morning I was texting my mom and my mother-in-law because I like to kind of keep them up on things. And there are prayer warriors that I'm so grateful for. I mean, they are in the behind the scenes and I need that so much, right? But anyway, I just, I said, to, I said, I bet you didn't realize how hard it would be to be a grandparent <laughs> because I'm almost like, it's almost hard for me to like share some of the things that we're going through. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same. Because, um, you know, I know that. Our parents love our kids very much and they're praying for them. So it's hard for me sometimes to say, you know, I got to ask for another prayer request here. And it's almost like I kind of want to protect them. Yeah. And not, not let them know, like, yeah, this is really hard and I need more prayers. I'm sorry. Mm. Like, I don't want to burden them either because they're older and, you know, I, I'd like to just send happy reports, but yet I know they want to know. So it's, it's, it's kind of a balance there, but I just, I had a thought like, just what you're saying, Stacy, like, this isn't going to end like, <laughs> and, and, and you're a gram. I don't know if you're both grandmas, but I'm you not are. yet, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it's not going to end. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, like we say joyfully, like every day is just a march, a day closer to your death. And you just, yeah. you just, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but it is like 
like <laughs> sorry <laughs> but it is like you get like we've we did a whole podcast on that like being open to life man if only it were all about just giving birth you know like yeah. being open to life is about so much more and as a grandmother myself when you were saying that Roxanne I bet what you're parents are thinking when they hear your broken heart, they're probably less worried about the second generation away about the grandchild. They're probably less worried about the grandchild and they're more worried about you. Cause I, I know with my daughter talking about her children, I'm like, okay, you're a good mother. You're going to do what you need to do with your children. I, I'm not so brokenhearted if I hear that your children are turning their back on you because I've been through it. I've seen kids come around. I've seen them take forever. I'm not so worried about your children because I know my daughter's a good mother. What my heart breaks for anew is for my own daughter to have to go through what was the most painful thing I've ever had to go through. Like, you know, you, when your daughter gives birth, you're, you're feeling, you're feeling sympathy pains with her. When my children go through hard things with their children, my heart's just breaking for my own child to go mm -hmm. through that. Yeah. Wow. What, what insight you've given me. It, it's beautiful. I, I, I stepped out of myself and it's interesting because um, I did hear that this morning, that sentiment that I just, mm -hmm. I hope you're taking care of yourself, Roxanne. I'm worried about yeah. you too. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just thought, wow, you know, we, yeah, our hearts are always so connected to our children. Yes. And, um, and, and that's, what's so hard too, also about them leaving the faith because we, we are anticipating their suffering mm -hmm. and, and we suffer with them. So in some ways it's kind of selfish because um, they're, they're, the grief that we know that they're going to experience becomes ours also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we would love more than anything to spare them of that. And that's yeah. why we just go so crazy initially, like don't yeah. go away. <laughs> you know, we're kind of kicking and screaming. Yeah. Unlike the prodigal father who was very, you know, wise and just let his child do what he needed to do. But um, we don't always, you know, in our no. humanity see that and we don't want to see our kids suffer. But yet there's those moments where we realize, now, wait a minute, like, this is the path to heaven, though, too. So mm -hmm. we have to recognize that, first of all, some of our suffering has brought us closer to Christ, right? I mean, we had our own path. That was one of the things that when Patty and I were writing this, we had to go back kind of in our own life and, and say, oh, we weren't always you know, thinking this through that clearly either in our young adulthood. Right. And, and so it, it's, it's humbling in that way too. But um, I guess, again, the suffering is part of our life and it has actually enriched our life, even though we don't see it sometimes until hindsight. Yeah. So why would we deny our children that? Like if they just had a perfect life free of suffering, um, I don't know that that's the best for them, you know? I and so- Again, we have to kind of step back and kind of look at it through God's eyes and then also just trust him more and more that despite how hard it is, he's not going to let go. Yeah. And that's such a assurance for us. You know, Stacy and I have said so many times throughout the podcast that, you know, as mothers, God has placed everything on the inside of you to be to have whatever you need for that child. He knew that particular child would be yours. And so God is placed on the inside of everything you need to be the mother to that child. And, and I think that goes at grandparents too. And, and, you know, our, our moms and me as a grandmother praying for my daughter and believing that God has placed everything, you know, everything she needs to be my granddaughter's mom. It's just kind of a trickle down. It just kind of trickles down, but I have to trust that, you know, 
that that scripture that I just love and I have probably been wearing it out and saying it way too much. <laughs> but that scripture that talks about that voice behind you saying this is the way walk in it. You know, I believe that God is going to be speaking to my daughter and telling her what to do and where to go. And I just keep praying that the Lord would just give her ears to hear and that she would, you know, just hear him and that he would just become so real to her. But but I think the prayers, you know, the, the prayers of the grandparents are so powerful. And um, and I think even in, in your book, it talks about what you just said. It talks about Monica and how um, praying for you know her son, what it did for her spiritual her spiritual path as well. Yes, yes. And also that she didn't waste her desire to have her son be back in the faith. During those wandering years, there were times where she was back in a different location and he was off, you know, traveling the world in his new age type religion, um, spouting whatever her heretical thought, you know, that he had embraced at the time. She didn't take that and she wasn't crying the whole time. <laughs> she she did go back to her home and was known for reaching out to the poor and to miss, uh, you know, people that were less fortunate than her. She was known as this kind, compassionate mother. And so I think that's another lesson. And I, I shared another interview that I did with my sister and she wrote back and said, that's what stuck out to her the most was that we don't have to waste our desire that our children would know God. If, if they're at a point where they're kind of plugging their ears, there's mm -hmm. someone else in our life that God's going to put there. Yeah. He's not yeah. going to waste that. Yeah. Maybe it's mm -hmm. another child. Maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a friend, whatever. But he's going to uh, find a way for us to use that zeal that we have for him in the meantime, as we're waiting. And so that's that's one point. The other is I wanna come back to what you were saying, Stacey, just now about how, how God has equipped us. I had the thought one time recently that God knew, God knew the world was gonna kind of go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because we're kind of, we're in a situation where the world has gone crazy and our kids were kind of part of that. And so they have a different perspective where we were, we saw this other world that at least seemed a little bit saner. And, and so we're looking at it from a different, we're like on the other side of it in a way. Right. Where they're having to enter into it. That's a different situation. We have to recognize mm -hmm. that. We're kind of, we're on the other side looking back going, ah, this is kind of scary and you shouldn't do that. But they're going, I have to survive this. So I have to figure out a way to enter into it because this is the world I'm in. Yeah. You know? And so, but what I, what I thought was, God knew, God knew that when our children were one, two, three, and four years old, you know, and we, and we were, you know, watching little kid movies and dancing in the living room and, and, and wiping their little chubby hands after they had their macaroni and cheese, those tender years, he knew we didn't, that the, that life was going to get really, really extremely hard. And he, and he put the love of himself into our hearts in those years to, to plant little seeds that would prepare them for this time. Mm -hmm. He already knew, right? Yeah. And so it's like, wow, wow. He knew all this ahead of time and he still called me to be their mom and, and also to have a love for him. Yeah. And that, that doesn't disappear. Like my daughter showed me in her letter, like she remembers. Yeah. It doesn't just go away. And, and so, you know, one of the things I've prayed for is, for my kids is that they would remember that they would remember God, that would, they would remember those tender moments mm. where love of God was like enacted through our love for them. And then like just having their, you know, first communion and their first confession and all of that. Like, I just pray for their memory, their good memories mm -hmm. to be revived of, of when God was um, 
you know, a part of their everyday life. And, and, and I just trust, I just trust that it's still there. It's just, they have to work it out and figure out how to incorporate it into their lives on their time and on God's time. Yeah. And he's very patient. He's very exceedingly patient, way more patient than I am. Yep. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and joining us on our podcast this week. Um, I, I think uh, your book. So what would Monica do by Patty McGuire Armstrong and Roxanne Beauclair Salonen uh, published by Ascension Press. It's brand new, hot off the press, and uh, <laughs> you can pick up a copy online and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But you know what? I think listening to you, Roxanne, what would Monica do? today, I think she would have written this book. So thank you for doing that. Thank yeah. you for pouring thank it you. into the written word, the pages so that we can avail ourselves of the mm -hmm. wisdom. Yes. And, and I pray that more of these conversations continue and that God just use all four of us, um, thinking of Patty as well, who's not here today, but thinking mm -hmm. of her, I hope God continues to use all four of us to push into these conversations and be a sisterhood, a support to each other. Yes. Thank you for the gift of allowing the conversation. And I, I want to end my part by saying, St. Monica, pray for us. Yes. yes. I'm Stacy Trasenkos. And I'm Stacey Farquharson. Until next time. If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information.